listening to the cannabis hangout two girls one bowl and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana my name is brandon and my name is saba we will be connecting with the community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people sharing stories from medical marijuana patients and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths so we invite you to come roll with us while we break break it all down. down Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm Saba. And I'm Brandon. And we are your hosts of the Cannabis Hangout. We get the opportunity to sit down with so many wonderful people from so many walks of life and connect with them over a plant, which is still so surreal to us sometimes. Today's guest is a real treat. We're super excited to get to know about more about her passions, her talents, and the wonderful magic she's created. You might have heard of Falcana today, or today might be your first time hearing their name, but it definitely won't be the last. Growing beautiful cannabis, surrounding herself in the plant, submerging herself deep in the cannabis culture, and a fellow nature lover, we're super happy to have Bethany with Falcana on today's episode, so please give her a warm welcome. Hi, Bethany. Hey, thanks guys for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us and just share a little bit about you and your passions. So before we get started, will you please tell us and our listeners where you're calling from? Yeah, so I am located in Port Angeles, Washington. Um, That's where we originally had our grow facility set up. Okay, wonderful. Um, So tell us about the first time then when you first stumbled upon cannabis. Like where did your journey with the plant first begin and like what was your experience like? Well, so, I mean, growing up in Oklahoma, um, I definitely, the D.A.R.E. program um, definitely worked on me. Yes. (laughs) As far as, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, I I was a straight-A student. I was very, like, um, you know, never would I have done anything that I thought was, you know, air quote, wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, definitely... Uh, very much a, you know, overachiever, want to make sure my parents are really proud of me. I'm the oldest, so a lot of pressure there to, like, be, you know, perfect in every way. Um, so the cannabis didn't really – I didn't really get introduced to cannabis until I met my husband, um, Justin. So uh, we both uh, hunt um, and do falconry uh, with, with falcons and hawks. And so we actually met at a um, – mutual friend's house and pretty much it was love at first sight so uh from the time we met to the time we got married um we met in February got married in August so um when we got together uh you know he kind of explained like hey I use cannabis and at that point I was old enough that I was thinking you know I don't know if it's as bad as I'm being told it is you know because to me it seemed like alcohol was very much accepted Mm -hmm. and then people that did they didn't really you know there wasn't like um you know them pulling an axe out and murdering their family kind of vibe that they <laughs> dare make me think yes you know it is um so I was starting to be you know open-minded to the idea uh but he was the one who introduced me to cannabis at first so um 
and he used it kind of as some, you know, recreationally for sure, but also kind of some self-medication as far as like, he's very, uh, you know, probably would recommend him be like on Ritalin when he was younger kind of thing, you know, ADHD, um, and, and definitely type a go-getter personality. So, um, you know, luckily his mom was really against all of that, but it was pushed on him quite a bit to get on medication to be like calmer. And right. when he found cannabis, it just really, I think, you know, it, it pairs well with people with that kind of personality. Right. And mm-hmm. so uh, he introduced it to me and I, the first time I tried, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never drank alcohol ever again. This is so much better. That's Why? Awesome. <laughs> Like, it's always that, like, epiphany where you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, so Yeah, good. what have I been missing out on? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's how I got introduced to cannabis. So do you feel like the intentionality behind consuming has changed and evolved as you've gotten older? And, like, how has your relationship with the plant evolved over time? Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, I definitely think when we first uh, – you know, when we, when I first got introduced to it, I definitely smoked, um, probably more just in the evenings, but I definitely have gone through a stage, you know, I'm, I'm 32, so I've been smoking for 14 years. Um, and I've gone through different stages with cannabis in my life. I think, uh, you know, anything, you know, overuse can be problematic. Right. And so there has to be some level of restraint, just like anything else. Like, you know, if you wouldn't drink during the day, probably, uh, you know, you probably don't start out the morning drinking, but at the same time, like cannabis, you can use it in a way like in the morning to get you kind of started in this, in the sense of like a cup of coffee. Right. So like, it's all, it's all kind of how you, you know, decide to use it. So I've definitely been a wake and bake person for years of my life. Um, you know, we use less of it now. Um, now we've had a baby. So like I went through stage for, you know, I didn't smoke through my pregnancy, but maybe like an eighth total, um, you know, just with nausea. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's been kind of all over the place, but I, I would say I'm definitely a daily user to, you know, skipping occasionally, but, um, I do, I like, I like cannabis a lot (laughs) and I, I really like how it makes me feel and how it changes my perception of reality enough Mm -hmm. to help me stay motivated. I use it definitely as something to help me be motivated. It helps me, um, uh, de-stress and it's, it, I think I, I kind of flow in and out of the recreational use and, and the medicinal use, um, with, with cannabis. Yeah. So what is your go-to? Is it like flour or concentrates, edibles? Like what do you start your day with? Flour for sure. I love, I love smoking flour. I'm pretty much exclusively, um, flour smoking. I, I do maybe occasionally a dab here and there, but, um, I love smoking flour. I mean, my main thing is, is rolling big fat joints yes yeah. big flower girl is there like certain terpenes <laughs> yeah. that you find yourself super attracted to or that like you know like this is my go-to and this is what I want like every single day yeah um I mean humulene is a really that's kind of the terpene that I think resonates with me the most but as far as um I mean pacific blue our strain pacific blue is the strain I probably smoked like 90% of the time for years of my life. Okay. Um, 
I went through kind of a stage really early on uh, in my life where I would get these like really intense cluster migraines that would sometimes make me lose my vision. And that's originally kind of how I got my medical card. Okay. Um, thrown out of that completely. So, uh, you know, I've looked into it some and, and there's definitely a lot of medicinal, um, uh, you know, correlation that cannabis helps with that. But, but it's something that also, I guess, a lot of women experience in their early 20s and, and grow out of. So um, as far as getting these like cluster migraines, but Pacific Blue is my go-to to help with that. And so that kind of became my strain that I use really often. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, at this at this time uh, in my life, I'm really a big fan of deep sea because I don't really do, I don't smoke in the mornings anymore. I pretty much just exclusively smoke at night. Okay. okay, very cool. It's always cool to see what like different seasons of life people are in with their cannabis yeah. use because <laughs> it, it, it always ebbs and flows. Yeah, for sure. And that is, I think, what's so amazing and unique about cannabis is that it is something that you can utilize in that way throughout mm-hmm. your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I mean, deep seas are heavy, our heaviest indica and it's, it's three generations into our breeding program too. Wow. So it's mother, uh, and father are, you know, strains we developed in house and wow. then those strains we developed in house. So it's, it's a multi-generational strain selection. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's one of the things that really pops about our brand is the, just how much it's been in house for so long that our genetics are really different than what's what else um, is on the market because we've been in house on our breeding for so many years. Mm-hmm. Deep Sea is a perfect example of something that has been in house, in house, and then in house. There's your final product. Well, I can't wait to tap in a little bit more with that. Um, But before we do, so we always do research on people prior to interviewing them just to get a little idea of them and, you know, just to get to know them a little bit prior to hopping on. And while I was researching you, I saw that you were big into gardening and farming. Where did that like passion spark and how long have you guys been doing that? Um, So... You're talking about like our organic vegetable garden that I that Yes, because I, I mean, I see you with like the chickens and like all of, you know, yeah. the plants I mean, and the vegetables. So like, where did that start? Like, because you seem to have a really green thumb. Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, really, it's kind of been that way my whole life. I, uh, when we lived in Owasso, Oklahoma, I had a really nice uh, window in my bedroom. And so I would start different all kinds of different plants and, and, um, I've always been somebody who loves animals. You know, we had a lot of animals growing up and I had like salamanders and lots of unique and different pets and then getting into falconry. Right. So like, I've always just been a super, uh, nature girl. Mm -hmm. You know, I love, I love being outside. I love experiencing, um, you know, just all things, all things outside. So as far as when we started our garden here, um, we've been working on it for about eight years now. Wow. So it, it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think the big flex on like people's gardens is maybe, I mean, at least up here is if you have like a seasoned, um, uh, asparagus bed or like artichoke, something that's like multi-generational, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we have some of those, so we're, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves with our, with our garden and, um, our whole goal is to grow enough food to last us for the year. So like last year we grew enough potatoes to last for nine months. Wow. Um, onions, uh, we froze a lot of our, 
strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, um, and then uh, we do multi-generations of peas. We have broccoli um, going for a part of the year. So, and and then about, I would say we only maybe buy like 5% of our meat from the store. So between Justin hunting and then we have cows and, and Icelandic sheep, wow. we eat exclusively from our our farm we we uh we're on 32 acres here and that is what's so nice about being where we're at in washington mm-hmm. is the wet the climate for growing is really long season so we get uh harvest starting in you know end of may all the way to october wow uh we get to our garden because of the weather the climate here mm-hmm. beautiful that's amazing so if you have like one piece of garden advice to give someone for their fruits and vegetables, what would you say? Um, <laughs> one thing, uh, I probably would say to start by just, just start something. You know, I think a lot of people, they don't, they don't do it because they think it's really hard or, or um, they don't feel like, it's going to be perfect and Instagram yeah. worthy. Kind of you know what I mean? Like right. it's just, just start potatoes. They're so easy to grow. Um, and they are really fun too, you know? And so I think just, just start potatoes and, and, and see how you feel from there. You know, some of this stuff is a little bit more difficult, like broccoli and cauliflower are a little bit more difficult to pull off. Um, you know, asparagus, things like that. But I mean, you can start, you know, if you start with just like strawberries and potatoes and some um, sugar snap peas, mm-hmm. you're gonna be, you're gonna have a really good time, and that's not very much work of a garden, and it doesn't take very much space either. You know, yeah. Um, but I think well, they just they're so intimidated with being like, I need this and I need that, and I know all the things. It's like, no, just start with like, just start with like two or three things. And, that's some and good simple advice. Yeah. Build, build off of there like there's our garden did not look like it it does now when we started you know i mean like the first year we planted way too many zucchini to take over our entire garden all we had was zucchini <laughs> you, know, you you learn as you go you know you're not gonna nail it yeah. the first time mm-hmm. uh, so just just getting started i think um is is important and it's so much better than store-bought food like oh, once yeah. you get into it addicting you're like like I can't even I can't bring myself to even buy potatoes. So like mm-hmm. we just skipped out eating potatoes for three months, which is like my favorite thing. But I just don't, I just don't really like them once yeah. you grow. It tastes so much better. Yeah, you're spoiling yourself in the best, most mm-hmm. like beautiful Mother Nature way I know. possible. So, so nice. What kind of potatoes do you grow? Um, we grow quite a few different ones. Okay. Um, there's a there's a one that's native here to the the, the tribe that's here um, called Ozettes, and um, they do really really well here and they're beautiful like um, fingerling French fingerling looking okay. potatoes, but and they're really delicious. Um, we grow a purple variety that I can't remember off the top of my head. Man, I should have grabbed my garden book if you guys are going to me. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'm just a curious <laughs> little. Um, Want to be uh, gardener and you're inspiring me. So Saba just looked up yeah, a picture no, of those at potatoes because I'm I love potatoes and I'm like okay well, what do these things look like I've never <laughs> had them before. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, for example, with our potatoes, we do um, because we want to keep them for the entire year, right? And you want to yeah. store them properly. 
there's certain ones that store for much longer than others. So we stagger um, and grow like different varieties based off of storage. Same with our onions. So like Patterson onions will last up to 12 months. And so we grow about a third of those. And But we also grow Walla Walla sweet onions because those are delicious, mm. but they only last for three or four months in storage. So we'll eat those first. Then we eat the red onions. Then we eat the Patterson. So the same kind of thing is with on the potatoes. We have like French fingerlings, red uh, potatoes. We have uh, purple potatoes. And those are, I'm just generalizing. I can't yeah. think of their name. Off the end, no, but, that's enough. Um, <laughs> old, the golden potatoes as well. So we just stage it based off of what is in storage. And then we eat the stuff that, that um, you know, starts to grow first. Because what happens with the onions, like they'll, they will they will start to try to grow again. And mm-hmm. same with the potatoes. They start to, you know, um, you know, create grow, growing nodes mm-hmm. that are kind of squishy and not good to eat. So, uh, yeah, so we just stage it based off of that. So right now I think we have seven varieties of potatoes that are all staged according to, like, lasting three months to 12. Okay, okay cool. That makes sense. That's really neat. That's Thanks awesome. for sharing all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's pause for a minute and talk about Oklahoma's grassroots cannabis publication, Herbage Magazine. They are in over 500 dispensaries statewide, providing cannabis education and supporting and highlighting the local communities. For more information, visit HerbageMag.com. That's H-E-R-B-A-G-E-M-A-G.com. So, Bethany, let's flip the script a little in your own words. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I I wear a lot of hats in the companies that we run. So I so in Washington State we have three grow licenses here. Um, we're in 270 stores here, so we wow. are a really strong, popular brand here. Um, and we started in medical, so we we were in medical for eight years and and then Washington State switched to the rec market and then we jumped into the the rec side. Um, so mostly because they they killed medical like there it doesn't exist now in Washington State once it went rec. So um, we have been growing you know for for fourteen years. so, my husband and I, we're a, a team. We do everything together. I, a lot of people think we're crazy how much time we like to spend together. <laughs> uh, but we're pretty much glued at the hip and finish each other's sentences. So um, we just have, uh, you know, we just built kind of a really beautiful life of, of being fully in charge of our, our life. You know, yeah. we, we have... Um, we have 81 employees. We have an amazing team. Um, we so we have the three girls, the, the three licenses in Washington. We um, collaborated in Montana. We've got the the grow in Oklahoma. My, my family's from there, so I'm really glad to be back in Oklahoma. And I'd really want to um, put my roots down there more, especially now with um, our son being born a year ago. Um, you know, just seeing family more and, and just really, t- you know, we've traveled a lot. We've done a yeah. lot of things, you know, we, we've really accomplished a lot in our life and like family is so becomes so important to you as of you kind of go out, you know, but then you turn back in. And yeah. so, you know, I, I, when I left um, to move up to Washington, you know, I wasn't on good terms with my parents. We mm-hmm. had a pretty falling out. Um, 
that's all been mended and, and you know, it was really just me wanting to go a direction in my life that they weren't agreeable to. So, Mm -hmm. um, but it all worked out, you know? And so, I mean, really we, we've just been working our absolute ass off for 14 years, you know, just running and running and running as fast as we can to, to, build this up because you know it's all we've grown everything organically ourselves like we don't have investors so i don't cool. have a yeah, so cool. i have to like you know appease and and you know we don't really have any of that drama you know it's just justin right. and, and self and then really strategic thoughtful partnerships yeah. uh, that's kind of what built out uh it, but it also kind of ties into our birds right so we we also we we have a, a, a big rehabilitation and breeding facility for, for falcons oh, wow. and, and goshawks. So we have um, a little over 90 raptors in our facility. And so we we breed them um, and the jeer falcon uh, birds that we, we make, they, they are um, sent to our clients in Dubai. Wow. Um, they do falcon racing with them and hunting with them as well. Um, and so we've met a lot of interesting people by doing that. I'm sure (laughs) Um, you've met some really cool people. Do you have any like crazy story from doing that of like people you've met that was like on the top of your head that you're like, I got to share that. Oh my gosh. I've had such a crazy, that's the thing about cannabis and like falcons. Just, just, there's just so many crazy things. I mean, like I'm way back in medical, like I would have people out for like, I mean, one time I literally had someone say, would you like to, I, I'll give you um, an, a baby ocelot for, which is like a, a wild cat. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. For, yes. For That's... four pounds of weed. And I'm like, what? No. For four pounds <laughs> of weed. <laughs> <laughs> That's hot. It's like funny, but it's, awesome. It's all kinds of bizarre stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, just trading. And, but. Yeah, but as far as like, so so we met um, one our business partner who's actually in Spain. Who we have three uh, Falconic Cannabis Clubs in Spain as well, um, and that's how we met. Is he actually was a translator for one of our Falcon buyers, um, and he's from Germany. And so we're actually we're we're really far along into the process of getting our cannabis club set up in Germany, and wow. we have three cannabis. And so, um, you know, I'm very focused on like the international market as well, expanding our, our brand too. Um, you know, so that's really what we've been up to. So, I mean, we've done a lot in the last 14 years. We just had a baby, you know, I'm, I'm 32. So we were like, uh, you know, it's probably time we should, if we want to do this, we should do it, you know, cause you, you're like, you want to wait for the perfect time. There's no perfect There's time. There's no perfect so, time. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of have to roll with the yeah. punches and throw yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much. I mean, that's a really um, messy answer to your question, but um, it's been all over the place. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of, you know, trying times. The cannabis industry is incredibly competitive, um, Mm -hmm. is really, uh, and we've somehow been able to, you know, stick together and build this beautiful brand and community around our brand and, um, you know, I love it. I love, I love, uh, our life. It's been, it's been an adventure. That's amazing. So we always love to know how people launch themselves into their passions and then turn them into these beautiful businesses. Like you saying that you've built this life for yourself and that you you're so free and you love, like 
you know, this beautiful like career you've built, but now this beautiful family and the, you know, just, it's all just so wonderful. And not everyone truly gets to obtain that in their lifetime because people just feel like they're so, they have to work a nine to five. They have to work for the man. They need the paycheck and they get so caught up and forget their own happiness. And I feel like a little piece of like your inner child, um, that's, it's so cool to hear you say that. So what's been the journey like for you from the moment that Falcano was an idea to something you could actually physically touch? Um, I mean, we, when we started in medical, um, it was very much how it is in Oklahoma. Um, uh, I mean, not as much now, right? We had some interesting regulation that just dropped, but, um, you know, it was very much just nonprofit, um, very basic accountability. And so it was kind of a true free market. Um, there was limitations on you couldn't grow more than 45 plants. Um, but other than that, it was, it was pretty free flowing. And so we were able to start at the ground level, uh, there, um, Justin started by, uh, growing cannabis specifically to help my, my migraines. And, um, we had some extra and we, we sold some to a dispensary and they're like, holy moly, this is really good. You guys need to do this. And, uh, like we need more, like, and so we kind of, from there, we realized, wow, we're actually, you know, pretty good. This is, this is really fun. Maybe we could, maybe we can make enough money to start, uh, you know, a business, like we didn't look at it as a business, um, at first, because back then it wasn't, it, it wasn't really a career path, you know, it, yeah. it I mean, definitely like there, there was not like now how there's so much structure and everything like back then, you know, it was, it was Washington and Colorado were the only two States that had medical, right? you know, so it, it was really, um, in the very beginning stages. And so we, we, we grew, we started, so we lived in an Airstream travel trailer in college. Ooh. We ripped, we ripped out the clock cause we couldn't afford, we couldn't afford an apartment. Like it, the apartments were, you know, thousand dollars a month. And at the time we yeah. couldn't afford it. Yeah. So we bought an travel trailer. We, um, were able to park it in this really nice lady's, uh, yard for $200. Ooh, just amazing. And water to it, you know, out of her horse pastures. We're literally in her horse pasture. Um, (laughs) But like we, you know, I was like, we can't just spend all the money we're making. Like even if we're only like eighteen hundred dollars a month right now, like we have to, we have to save something. Like that's the only way we're going to make enough money to be able to branch out and do a business. Because my parents are entrepreneurs and they've had businesses my whole life, and so. I knew I didn't want to work for somebody else for my whole entire life. I really yeah. wanted to have a business. Didn't know what that business was, but I knew that no matter what, a business needs capital. Right. You know, so smart girl started working, uh, to you know to save money. And so when we had our Airstream travel trailer, we ripped out all the innards of this closet and put a little 400 watt light in there. And That's cool. We grew. Hell yeah. First grow so. We grew in there. We were able to sell uh, our our excess, and then we um, built a little chicken coop looking building where we had our chicken coops on the outside and on the back side. The chickens could go into their little coop, but the the vast majority of the building was actually uh, a grow. Because the thing is, is people 
you know, now I have security, I have alarm systems, I have all, you know, motion detection, lasers, I have all kinds of stuff, right, uh -huh. for security. Yeah. Because I can call the cops and say, hey, someone's breaking into my building, they're stealing my stuff, you know, mm -hmm. get them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not how it was back in the day. Like in medical, if your shit got jacked, like they don't care. They're like, oh, okay, cool story. Oh, like they, wow. the, the, the cops aren't going to like investigate. So mm -hmm. they don't yeah. care. Any of that. If anything, you're probably going to get uh, a misdemeanor mm -hmm. because, you know, they'll find something you did wrong beyond what, you know, you're allowed to do. So right. you were kind of like for us, we were like, well, how do we make sure that nobody, you know, looks at this building and wants to like steal it? So we're like, we'll make it look like a chicken coop, you know? And so that's, that's so that's smart. <laughs> you know, cause we had limited electricity. We didn't want to spend any extra electricity towards uh, security. You know, so that mm -hmm. was the solution. I um, love it. So yeah. creative. It's so creative. <laughs> so we had, uh, that building had, um, 4,000 watt lights. And then from there we rented, um, a garage and then a, sh a larger shop building and then one more larger shop building than that. And then we started our first, um, recreational grow, uh, in a leased building. So okay. I mean, it's been, it's been a process, yeah. you know, um, to get to where we are now. That's hard workers. I, I know. love to see I love that. come up. And it's so cool to hear that you're only 32 because you guys really started this when you were so young. Yeah, and, and, you know, like, I feel like people our age, like... Just now getting into something, too, yeah. I feel like. I mean, mm -hmm. Sama and I are 31. Yeah, and <laughs> so, like, to see what you've done over the last 14 years and, like, really the ground that you and your husband have laid is so fucking cool. Yeah, y'all are a little power couple. Yeah, I can hell yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah, no, so, I mean, that's... And that's kind of what... So people... And it's tough because, you know, I get some flack sometimes, like, and it's it's just because of our success, you know. I mean, yeah. I I know that I'm haters out there, no matter what. Like, there's nothing I can say or do. For they sure. just yeah. don't like it because I'm successful, you know. Mm -hmm. But like, it's funny because I I had someone uh, the other day. They're like, they're just multi-state operators. I'm like, whoa, oh, I mean, yeah, but like, we dude, worked I hard to expand. Travel <laughs> Like my first grow was like because I didn't have a closet for my clothes. Yeah, like, I mm -hmm. I feel like we've it's a little bit, you know, like yeah. I think that you don't want all the bigger companies, but like there's a point where, you know, the, the, the consumers are, they're going to have to still, you know, it's like, it's important to support the small growers. And I oh, always sure. will have a for that because I, we were small growers. Yeah. And really, if you compare to like these publicly traded companies, you know, we are still super small, you mm -hmm. know, uh, but it is funny how sometimes we get like this pushback that we're like these, this big, you know, corporate company. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, honestly, like, I, I will say it's, I know Oklahomans can be like that sometimes just mm -hmm. because we're super protective, but I feel like as patients or just, you know, consumers, you forget how, how much legwork and how much goes into even just like mental energy goes into expanding into a different area specifically like a different state one that you may not even live in that it it can be really difficult so I mean with that being said this is a perfect transition what's been the biggest hurdle like rewarding hurdle you've had to go through with expansion in other areas especially like let's say like Spain you're not from Spain and obviously like hopping on a plane and going to Spain isn't just like a oh let me just get there in a day like that's something you know that has to be <laughs> mindfully planned out so 
what what was expansion like in that regard and going international because you also have to find people that you can truly trust with your vision which i know is also so difficult what's that been like for you and like how did you decide what area you wanted to go and how it was like this is the area yeah so i mean um it's it's very difficult to to uh build out a company from afar you know it's definitely been a huge learning curve um i have to build out an incredible amount of structure uh to check up on and like each each company has a you know very itemized list of like what needs done next and and it's it's very complex to set things up because if you're not physically there you don't have the eyeballs Mm -hmm. to see like you know what's on exactly so it's really important to have strategic partners that share the vision and also have, you know, a strong work ethic as well. So we've been really lucky to, you know, everyone we've worked with so far has been a good fit. Um, we've been approached a lot to partner in a lot of different states. Um, I would say I get approached probably every six months. So I, I, I also say no a lot. Okay. Um, and so, you know, because I just really want to be super thoughtful in how we roll roll this out. I don't want it to get sloppy and, and standards to kind of go by the wayside. Like, I really am, I want to be very intentional about how we build all this out. Um, and so that's why we're not even taking on any new offers right now. We're really just focused on making, you know, the Oklahoma, Spain, Montana be successful, you know, and, and be of that endeavor. So, um but yeah, the international aspect of it is really complex. Um, but uh, Moritz, who is is our partner there, um, he's he's amazing and does it. He's a really skillful uh, person, and you know he speaks Spanish, uh, German, um, uh, you know he English obviously, and um, uh, I'm blanking on what they speak in Dubai off the top of my head. Wow. Um, Arabic, you know, so uh, it, that helps um, for him to be able to obviously just to, to communicate clearly with us, but then also be able to speak Spanish fluently there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been incredibly well received there. I think, I mean, the quality overseas is definitely low. Um, so to come in and have like just a really high quality product, uh, it's it's been um it's it's definitely been able to help us succeed, but the setup was incredibly complicated. I mean, it took us two years just to find a building with enough power. You know, wow. that there's um, so here in the United States, your standard household has 200 amps. In Spain, it's 20. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because things are so different <laughs> there. It's not. It's not as big. I mean, yeah. European countries are so. They're not as westernized as America is. America is just so far advanced, especially with their technology, with things like that. Yeah, I mean, specifically the electric grid there, mm-hmm. um, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that was our biggest challenge there. And then Oklahoma, um, I mean, it's going really well. You know, we're just in the beginning stages. We opened up uh, two dispensaries. We've got another one that we're opening up here in Norman um, probably in about a month. Um, so we're in Guthrie and, um, Edmund and then, uh, Norman, right? That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been, I mean, the thing is, is the Oklahoma market right now is, um, you know, 
incredibly flooded with product. Um, I would say it's it has a lot more product per person than, I mean, it, it probably is matching like California's market right now mm-hmm. as far as oversupply, um, it, which we experienced in Washington early on in the market. So we're familiar with like the growing pains and 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 how to handle and address that. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just finding the people that. Um, you know, are on the same page as us. And, and I think, uh, you know, who are looking for like unique strains that we have a lot of medical background behind all of our strains, you know, clean growing practices, clean green certified. So, um, you know, having organic inputs, you know, good flush product, clean product, like that's, I think what people, um, you know, want to purchase and, and support. So, I mean, our whole thing is that I want to be really transparent with our company and, and, you know, share our values. And, you know, my goal in Oklahoma is the same as it was in Washington. So in Washington, I wanted to pay people well. I want to have um, health insurance, dental, vision, life insurance, um, and other specialty insurances that they can also um, get, such as like a we have an additional cancer um insurance that they can pay into that uh, the company covers some of the costs as well to make it to where if they get cancer, it's completely taken care of. And, you know, I want to be able to give like a really good quality benefits package to all of our employees. And that's what we've accomplished in Washington state. And I want to do the same thing at our Oklahoma location, um, you know, and, and give back to our staff in a strong way. And I think that um, like our staff here in Washington really, support and appreciate the company and they they're proud to work for the company and that's the kind of culture build in Oklahoma as well yeah that's really admirable because there's a lot of places that I know you know people have worked for and that you don't get that kind of treatment Mm -hmm. and you always it kind of runs you out of that place because you feel like you're being worked down but not getting any more benefits in return so like I know your employees appreciate that so much and it's so cool that like you're aware to be able to know how to take care of your employees. As simple as that sounds, some mm-hmm. people just don't, they don't do know it. how to do it. That leadership is you can run a business, but to be a leader in a business and like actually have a staff that stays and like is loyal and loves you is I feel like in the cannabis space is not easily found. So it's like finding a diamond in the rut. You are the diamond in the rut. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's super important to me. And, and, and Justin, um, you know, was an employee, uh, before, um, you know, we got together and started all this. So he, he's always like, he's always an advocate on that end, you know, and, and not to say that I'm not from experience. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I mean, we don't, as long as people give us the two weeks heads up, they can take off as much time as they want, you know? So, I mean, we, we have staff that, have had uh, a baby, they took their 16 weeks of paid maternity leave, you know, then they came back, um, you know, months, months later, part-time work, you know, for a while, then ramped up to full-time, like, we're very accommodating that kind of stuff, you know, so, um, and, like, we have a couple of ladies up here in Washington that are uh, originally from the Philippines, and so they'll take an entire month off um every year to go visit their family and stuff and I think that's really important and I'm you know totally okay with stuff like that and so I think it's important that you know it is in a sense just a job in the sense that like 
I don't expect you to to fully commit to the level that I am on my own company because it's it's not it's just not that's not that's like way too much expectation to put on an employee like I think it's important for them to have a life outside of work and not feel like this overbearing um, demand and so I think because we have had that kind of work culture you know, we have employees that have been with us since the start of the company. So like my head grower in Washington started out as a trimmer. Wow. Um, that's so, so cool. Neat. Uh, you know, we have a lot of that in our staff, like my head extraction um, uh, personnel here in Washington started out, he's, tr- Bill started out as a trimmer, you know, so like I really try to hire up and build up within our company instead of hiring out and bringing in, you know, because what it does, it builds a culture where it's like people have already done the job that they're managing you to do. And so they handle it with a lot more grace and a lot more understanding mm-hmm. and a lot better because of that. If you're ever in the Oklahoma City area, check out Chill Dispensary at 22 Northeast 10th Street. They're good people with hand-washed, single-source, live rosin, flour, pre-rolls, and other solventless products. So go show them some love and enjoy a chill experience. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, so with that being said, being a woman in like the cannabis space and leading the way like how you are and just really doing the damn thing, what is it like being in like the position you're in as a woman in the cannabis space specifically? Yeah, so um, to be honest, uh, you know, I have never really had, I, I get asked this question like in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I have not experienced negativity in the sense that I'm a woman in the cannabis space. It's definitely a male dominated industry. For sure. There are, it's mostly men in the space. And I think that's originally based on the fact that it was something that, you know, you had the potential of going to jail for doing, you know, so uh, there's a safety aspect and like a um, concern for that direction. And so I think men are more comfortable with that risk um, maybe than, than women are. And so that Mm -hmm. I think is, the basis behind why it's skewed but um I you know in in this space I've either be as a woman I'm treated special because I'm a woman or the same I'd like no no difference or they underestimate me yeah and honestly of of the three I would prefer that I'm underestimated yes and then show up (laughs) yeah so uh you know that's kind of been my my overall experience of it and I just when someone treats me differently because I'm a woman I just to me it's actually it it makes it easier for me because it's like cool great you're underestimating me awesome yeah and then you can exceed expectations and be like say nothing and just smile (laughs) proved you're wrong yeah Yeah. (laughs) so do you have any sort of advice you'd like to share with anyone listening that you wish someone would have shared with you along your journey um, contracts, make sure you got contracts, make sure you, uh, expectations are clear, responsibilities are clear, um, that will save you a lot of time and heartache. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's solid. Really solid advice. Yeah. So we like to ask everyone this question, but what is the stigma you would like to see change to revolving cannabis? Um, I think a 
see a stigma. I'd like to see changed. Something that makes you kind of like roll your eyes and be like, okay, we've got to let that go. Yeah, I think just like this understanding that people who use cannabis are like lazy. It it really, I think that's, I, I just don't understand where it comes from because I, it's so silly to me, um, yeah. but it's still really prevalent. Right. I mean, anyone who's listened to this episode so far and is at the end of it, like they I know mean, that they know you're definitely doesn't make you lazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's I so mean, real. So I, I would say that's definitely one of the ones that I roll my eyes at. Yeah, no, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Bethany, I think this wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for sharing your passion and love for the plant with us and everyone listening. Really appreciate you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys um, giving me the opportunity to tell my story. And, and I hope we can, uh, next time I'm in Oklahoma, I'd love to to, to meet up. Yes, yeah, we please. Would we would love that. If anyone listening wants to keep up with Bethany and all that she's doing, be sure to check out her Instagram at Bethany Falcana. That's Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-F-A-L-C-A-N-N-A. Bethany, thank you so much again for sharing your story. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's episode. And as always, Brianne, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.